Montebello Church Sermons. And it's so good to be with you once again. It's exciting to come around God's Word and to know that God's going to speak to us. I've been very encouraged by the things that you've been telling me, how God has been working in your life. And we just rejoice in the wonderful things that God is doing. No matter how confused our life and how difficult it may be, God has wonderful things in store. Now, last week, Dave All did a wonderful job going into the second chapter. But I'm going to go back to the first chapter because in that section, in that paragraph that we have there in that one verse, it's single sentence, it uh, takes about 10 minutes to read the whole thing. But it's amazing in that single sentence, he gives us some of the most profound truths that you can have. But there are two of the really big truths that we have not discussed yet, and I want to deal with them now. I want you to see that Paul in this sentence, in this wonderful first chapter, gives us the preeminence of Jesus Christ, how important Jesus Christ is, and then also he wants to give us some truth concerning the body of Christ. So those are two doctrines. Now, people want to have deep experience with God and I want to say to you, you don't get deep experiences with God by seeking deep experiencing with God. You get deep experiences with God when you go into the doctrines, into the truths, into the propositions that are very clearly declared as to who Jesus Christ is. Now he's going to set forth Jesus Christ. You know, in this one sentence that we have in these, this first chapter, he speaks of Christ 15 different ways. And I want you to see the greatness of Jesus Christ as he says, this is the prayer I have for you. I want you to experience the reality of who God is. So he gives us this passage. It's a wonderful passage. He says, I want the eyes of your heart to be enlightened so that you will know the hope of what you are called and that you will see the glorious inheritance that you have in Christ Jesus and that his incomparable power that raised up Christ from the dead and working in you right now, giving you great strength and energy, which he exalted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, every title that can be given, not only of this present age, but also in the one to come, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So there you have those truths that are before us. He's going to set forth some of the principles concerning Christ. He's going to set forth the preeminence of Jesus Christ, that Christ is above all things. Paul says, I am an apostle I'm an apostle of what? I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. He's my Savior. He is the King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. And he is given a name above every name. And it's this power and this wisdom. And he says, the power that raised Christ from the dead. Now, when Christ was raised from the when Christ died on the cross for our sins, he was put in the grave and death wanted to hold him. Hell wanted to hold him. Uh, death wanted to hold him, the grave wanted to hold him, but the resurrection power of Christ, working in Christ, raised him from the dead and defeated Satan and hell and death 
and the grave and made him victorious in Christ Jesus our Lord. So he puts him in, in these heavenly realms. He not only has raised him from the dead, but he's put him in heavenly realm. This is the realm from which Christ reigns. Now understand these truths concerning Christ is what we have right now. It's not something we're waiting for. It's something that we have right now. Because Christ has defeated Satan and defeated death. And he's been victorious. He's at the right hand of God, the Father, with the highest of authority. You say, why does he make a big deal out of the fact that Christ rose over the grave? You need to understand he didn't say he came with the power of resurrection. He could have said that. The power of resurrection is so powerful. It is the power of, of creation. God spoke, let there be light, and there was light. And God simply spoke these things into existence because his creative power is very great. But there is something greater than the power of creation. There was something greater than the power of men in their morality. Men were dealt with by God by bringing the flood along. God looked at the weakness of men's heart and he grieved that he had made man and he decided that he would destroy mankind and start again. And so he brought the flood and the flood walked out, wiped out mankind and he started again from Noah and he gave him a new family, a new start, a new beginning. So he didn't say it's the power of the flood, it's not the power of resurrection, it's not the power of creation, but it was the power of death because the last enemy is death. And death was defeated when Christ was raised from the dead. That is the greatest power of all power, and that's a power that's available to us. So he says in Philippians, he says, there, Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name, Above every name, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. You see, Jesus Christ was placed not only over death, he was put over Satan and he defeated him and he placed him above all angels and principalities and powers. Who? The theologians love to debate this issue. Who is this one that he's uh, so much in charge of? Because we see that it's above the angels. Christ is greater than the angel. The highest angel would be Gabriel and Michael, but Christ says that they are only servants. To these angels, God never said, this is my beloved son. The uniqueness of Jesus Christ is set apart for Christ only. He is the unique son of God. He is the eternal son of God through all eternity, before the foundation of the world, the Father and the Son were together forever and ever with glorious reigning power. And here is Jesus Christ now made the co-equal with the Father, co-eternal with the Father, and he has all that authority. And Jesus Christ was raised up by the very power of God in the resurrection. It is to Jesus that he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He doesn't say that about angels because Jesus Christ is above all of the angels. And he put all things under his feet. That means absolutely everything in the world he puts under subjection. You see, Jesus Christ is not like the way they, some people say 
He's like the, the, the watchmaker that wound up the watch and just set it aside and let it run by itself. But that's not what happened. Jesus Christ not only created all these things, but he right now is sustaining all of these things. He keeping, He's keeping the universe working. He is in charge of the stars and the, the whole course of the stars. He is in charge of all the movement of the oceans. He's in charge of the wind. He's in charge of the rain. He's in charge of hurricanes. He's in charge of storms. He's in charge of the sunshine. He's in charge of everything. He keeps it all going for our sake, for our good, and for our blessing. He gives us dignity to all these things because everything and everywhere he is control of all these things because the Father has put them all in the hands of his Son. And he is living this glorious life, ruling and reigning with all power. And he does it not only because he does it for the Father and because he is God and he is in charge of all these things, but he does it for our sake. This is the wonderful things that we see that Christ went through the suffering. He paid his life on the cross and he defeated Satan. And we're going to say, oh, how's the world going to turn out? Don't worry about it. Jesus Christ is completely in control and he knows what he's doing. God doesn't need our help. He's completely in control. Remember Uzzah, who thought that he had to help the Lord out because the Ark of the Covenant was coming back to its proper place. And they, the, one of the oxen stumbled. And so the Ark of the Covenant, a symbol of very, God's very presence, Uzzah felt God needed a little help. So he reached out his hand to steady the cart so that it wouldn't fall into the mud. And God struck him dead. You say, why did God do that? My dear friends, that Ark was a sacred thing. It was to be dealt with in a very special way. It was made with loopholes that they could put a rod through so that they would not have to touch it. Because God says, you don't have to hold me, my hand. You don't have to steady me. You have to let me be God. I'm in control of all things. And that's why he struck Uzzah dead, because it was arrogance on Uzzah's part. He says, oh, God needs help. No, God doesn't need our help. God is able to take control of all things. So Uzzah was struck dead because God says, you violated the sacredness of who I am and who I'm therefore living for and who I exist for. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, the name of Jesus, every bow shall, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, because Jesus Christ is the Lord of all things. He is the very Son of God. He is God in human flesh. But Jesus coming here on this earth and taking on human flesh laid aside his glory. He didn't stop being God. But he set, put aside all the trappings that went with that. And he put aside his glory and humbled himself even to the point of the cross. And in the humility, he came as a babe in a manger. He came lying in the manger in weakness and in frailty. He went as a 12-year-old, debated with the doctors and the lawyers, and had a brilliant, brilliant discussion there, and then he was the carpenter of Nazareth. It's interesting that when he confronted Jesus, rather confronted Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus Road, he said, I am 
Jesus, the one that you've been persecuting. You see, he mentions his very humanity. He makes that as important. And he says, I am the Lord. I am the Lord of all things. I'm King of kings and Lord of lords. So Jesus Christ was crucified in weakness. He became, he became uh, weak in the flesh. He was able to be, he said, no man takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. Jesus Christ deliberately laid down his life. He paid the penalty for your sins. He was crushed by the Father to bear our sins and to bear them to Calvary. And there he died on the cross, defeating Satan. So where does this leave us? It's amazing that God has done all these things, and Christ is this preeminent one, and we should literally be dancing with joy because he is King of kings, and he is Lord of lords, and he is char in charge of all things. Why we should remain silent, I don't know. It seems so amazing that God has done these wonderful things, and not only he's not only is he creator of all things and in control of all things, but he is a redeemer. He died on the cross for our sins. He is control of the cosmos. He's control of the university. He is in control of all the stars. And this is all true of Christ right now. He is king and he's Lord. Isn't it amazing that he is the ruler of all things and we therefore are able to be seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus because he defeated Satan and defeated death and he was above all these things. And so the father has lifted up his son and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So we want you to see that the glory of Christ is so much above all things that every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And in our passage, I'm going to read just the last part. It says, And God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. He is saying this as we are the body of Christ. Do you understand that picture of being the body of Christ? How significant that is. You see, in your body, if your body got disconnected from your head, you'd be dead. If you, A finger may say, I don't want to be a part of the body. But you see, if you take the finger and you separate it from the rest of the body, it dies. It can't survive because the Christ is the head of the body. He is in control of every the moving parts. And it's an amazing thing that when he talks about the body of Christ, he's talking about the church. This is an amazing thing. Everyone in the church that's truly born again. Now, don't misunderstand me. There are many things that are called the church that are not the church. They have pious terms. They claim to be godly. They claim to be of Christ, but they are not of Christ. There is only one way that you can be born again, and that's by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you allow him to be the Lord of your life. He is in control of your life, and he is the master. So here we need to understand that when we say that Christ is in charge of all these things, he is the head. Now, the finger cannot move without the head. The foot can't move without the head. And when we separate the head from the rest of the body, then the person's dead. 
but he is saying just as the head is a part of the body and all the body parts are dependent upon the life of the head so likewise are we dependent upon the very life of christ every moment of every day so we depend on him and we look to him for the victory it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter how insignificant you may be in the world but if you are in the church of jesus christ truly born again born of christ you have the very life of christ in you isn't it interesting he says that Christ is the fullness of all things. You say, what does that mean? It means my finger is fully in charge by the head. The head is control of the fingers. It's control of the hand. It's control of the leg. It's control of the whole body. Because Christ is in charge of all these things. And you cannot get along without the head. And the head is the source from which all life comes. So he's saying that he's the fullness of do you understand how you should rejoice in that? Just simply as you have your body moving and you know if you're healthy and all the parts are working, that's really incredible what your body is able to do. And it's because it's got one head. You don't have two heads, you have one head. And Jesus Christ is that head. And we're dependent upon him to give us life and direction and meaning. I just want to say a word too about how this can be confusing for people because they say, oh, I'm just supposed to sit around and wait for God to work in us. Well, no, that's not the way it works. The truth is, your head is in charge of your body. But you know what? Even though he's in charge of your body, Christ is in charge of your body, that your body has to get exercise. You're going to say, I'm flabby and I'm out of shape. And so I'm waiting for my head to make the rest of my body work. Well, no, you have to go out and you have to exercise. You have to say, I become flabby, I become soft, therefore I have to exercise. You say, well, if you're depending upon exercise to give health, then you're dependent upon your exercise. No, you're dependent upon the head that if you exercise your body, the head will do the work to give you the strength to carry out what you're supposed to have. So, the truth is, as you abide in Christ and you depend upon him, then you have to exercise your body and get it back into shape so that it will work. It's a combination of the very life of Christ in my body, working through my body, and my muscles need to be exercised so that I can become strong and stronger. And the more I will exercise my body, the more the head will give me the ability to become stronger and stronger. So... This is the glorious truth of what we have in Christ Jesus, that as we abide in Christ, his very life comes and works in us and through us. Now, we have simply talked about the uniqueness of Christ. Jesus Christ is in charge of all things, and he's our Lord and our Savior. He's our master, and we look to him to give us life, and he gives us life to the body so the rest of the body can function together. And all the rest of the parts of the body are in under the control of the head. This is the glorious message of the body of Christ. We are one in Christ. You know what? My fingers, this is as important as my toe. And when I stub my toe, I become very, very aware of how important my toe is. You know, 
we have to see to it that the various parts of the body are cared for. We need to take, take care of them. We need to exercise them. It, the, the power of God works in us when we put ourselves into shape and we start exercising. That shows it's not our exercise that makes us strong, but rather the head that gives us the ability to exercise and get our body into shape. So all of these things are working together. He says, I, I have the supremacy of Jesus Christ in me. He's working and ruling in my life. I can deal with my flabbiness because I can go and put myself into shape. And therefore I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. He gives me the strength to live this life, not in isolation, but in working with the rest of the body, that they work together, and that Jesus Christ is the head. It's not that everything comes from the brain, but the brain is in complete control of the rest of the body. So we understand that we have times where it's difficult. We go through, you say, if Christ is in control, if Christ is preeminent, if he's in charge of all these things, why do I go through difficult times? I'm reading from Psalm 119. He says, when I was, before I was afflicted, I went astray. He says, we all have a tendency to go astray and to fall, stop following the Lord. But when the affliction comes, we turn back to the Lord and you say, Lord, I'm in trouble. I need your help. Come and give me strength. And he will come and he will give us the sunshine and the strength that we need so we can exercise and become stronger and stronger in the Lord. So understand that trials come into our life to make us strong. You see, God not only wants us to be happy, he wants us to be holy. And sometimes we are not holy, and therefore trials have to come into our life that we might repent, that we might turn back to the Lord, we might reach out to Christ, and that he will give us the strength to live a godly life my dear friends, God wants you to be happy. Yes, he wants you to be holy. And you're not going to be happy if you are not holy. If you have unholy things in your life, you need to repent and turn back to the Lord. And he will give you the strength. He will come alongside and give you the ability to live with purpose and meaning. You see, Jesus Christ is the head of all things. He is control of all things. He's our Lord and our Master, and He loves you very deeply, and He wants to see you successful in the power of Christ. So therefore, this is something that we can do. Understand that we're a part of the body of Christ. We are together. We draw life from the head, who is Jesus Christ, and we can worship Him and obey Him and submit to Him. And that is where victory comes in, in our life. And I encourage you this day, that you might turn over your life over to the Lord. You say, Lord, I need you every hour. I need your strength. I need your guidance. I need even your ability to exercise my body, which is yours, of which you're the head. And as I exercise, I become stronger, and the head is able to do its work in our bodies. So I just want to pray with you even now. I am so excited about what we have in Christ Jesus. Pray with me. Lord, come and enlighten our hearts that we might be able to say who you are and the life that is ours in you. Lord, it's so wonderful to understand you're King of kings, Lord of lords. You're co-equal with the Father. You have 
all things together in him, and you are the head of the body, and you're blessing us and encouraging us and guiding us, and Lord, you're going to do wonderful things in the days that lie ahead. Therefore, Lord, we rejoice in the victory that is ours, that we are victorious in Christ Jesus, and we ask that you'll bless us, and you will honor us by coming and giving us your power and your life as a head of the body, and we worship you as our Lord and Savior and give you the praise and the glory alone. Amen. The Lord bless you. It's been wonderful to be with you. These truths are so rich and they're so full. I'm overflowing with them, but I want to tell you, Jesus Christ is Lord of all. He is control of all things, and he's bringing all things together. He's working it all together for his good and for our good. And these are wonderful truths that are available to us in Christ Jesus. I just pray that you'll continue to dig in God's word, even as we go on in our study of the book of Ephesians. God is a gracious God, and he is a God that's working in our lives, and so we can rejoice in that and give him the glory. Amen. Thank you. The Lord bless you. Montebello Church Sermons.